What is up, guys? Welcome back to the latest episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. My name is Jack Feldman, and I'm here alongside absolutely nobody because today, ladies and gentlemen, is a Jack Feldman solo vehicle. That is right, folks. I am riding absolutely solo. I know you guys are excited. I'm excited also. Sammy and Ori are both at baseball tournaments, so we wish them the best of luck. But now you guys have me. You know, this might be a shorter episode since it's just going to be me, but I'm going to get you my points. We're going to have some fun. And boy, did I have a busy couple of days. I've been going back and forth from physical therapy for my back. I've been doing a lot of stuff. I've been doing ACT work. Got to get ready for that. Doing a lot of practice, practice problems and stuff like that. Trying to knock out my summer work also at the beginning of the summer. Been playing a lot of blitz ball lately, having a lot of fun with that. That's been great. And I've just been having a splendid time. It's been nonstop action in my world. And it's also been nonstop action in the world of sports. So let's hop right into it with the NBA playoffs. Kevin Durant with an absolute legacy game puts the Nets on his back. What a game for him to get by the Bucks here. I mean, just my thoughts of this game, Giannis, you know, 12 rebounds, four assists, 34 points, 34 points. You might think, okay, his stats are pretty good. You know, he definitely had a solid game, but down the stretch, he was putrid. I mean, his free throw shooting has been awful. His shooting is awful. All the Nets have to do is force him to shoot or foul him. It's, he's a really easy, easily guardable player right now. And just a moment that highlights this down the stretch, there must have been about a minute left in the game. Chris Middleton drives, dishes a great pass right to Giannis, who's standing right under the basket. Easy dunk, easy dunk. And he drops the ball, fumbles it, the Nets come up with it. And that was really the last chance that the Bucs had to win that game. And when your best player, your two-time MVP, okay, I, I got to say, I said MVP. I've been spending. Way too much time with Sammy. I meant MVP, most valuable player. Sorry, Mitchell Trubitsky. When your two-time MVP drops the ball and turns it over with a minute left, down four points, that can't happen. Okay, Giannis has to be better than that. He has to be better than that from the line. He has to be better from the arc, and he has to be better down the stretch. Because if he is not playing at an MVP caliber performance these next couple nights, the Bucs have no chance in this series. Let's move on now to Kevin Durant. Played every single minute of the game. Every single one. Had 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 1 point shy of a 50 bomb. Had 49 points in all-time performance. One of the greatest playoff performances in New York sports history. And I just want to give some credit to James Harden also, because I don't know. I don't know if the Nets win that game without James Harden. They obviously don't win that game without Kevin Durant, but James Harden only had five points. You, you might be thinking he didn't really make that big an impact on this game, but he absolutely did. You know, he was hurt. And there were a lot of questions on whether he was going to play. He clearly was not 100% probably wasn't even 60-70%. And he played 46 minutes, and just his presence on the floor, 
distracted the Bucks defense, distracted Drew Holiday, and it really allowed Kevin Durant to get open because what the what the Nets would do is they would give the ball to James Harden, who would facilitate the ball for the most most of the first, I don't know, 10 seconds of each Nets possession. And then like a hot potato, he'd get it, get it right to KD, who'd put up an incredible double move or spin move or drive and just an easy bucket. There is a shot he hit down the stretch with like two and a half minutes left. Shot a three-pointer maybe four to five feet back from the three-point line. It was one of those shots that when you saw it, you you audibly said, no, like, like no way. He can't hit this. And it, he drilled it, and it was just an unbelievable moment. And it really, inca- in, really just encaptured the entire game. It was just a great moment. And the Nets really didn't have that much production from their other role guys. You know, Joe Harris, who is – been the best three-point shooter in the NBA this season. Only had five points. He's had an awful series. He's going to need to step it up. Kyrie was hurt. James Harden, even though he had his presence, you know, he didn't really, you know, put the ball in that basket that much. But Kevin Durant did it all on his own. And what a choke job for the Bucks! They blew an 18-point or they blew a 16-point lead. They had it, they had that at halftime and they just blew it, man. Another choke job was the 76ers. They blew a 26-point lead. And then on Monday night, they blew an 18-point lead. And you gotta be worried if you're the Hawks, you know, or if you're the 76ers about the Hawks. Embiid had an excellent first half. The 76ers bench was awful. Joel Embiid and Seth Curry, you know, respectively had. 37 and 36 points, but they were the only two players with over 10 points on the entire team. I mean, it was not a great game for the 76ers bench at all. In fact, a lot of people would say it is an awful game for the 76ers bench. They had, they just had a huge lead that entire game. And it's just one of those losses that's gut wrenching, it's deflating. And it's going to carry over into the next game. They're not going to come out with the same energy that they did last night into their next game. The the wind is going to be out of their sails a little bit. Moving on now. Kawhi Leonard is hurt. And this, this sucks, man. You never want to see an injury, especially to a player as talented as Kawhi Leonard. They're saying it's an ACL injury. I don't know if it's torn at this point. I don't know the severity of it, but he's out for game six it's not looking great and Paul George man he's gonna have to have a Kevin Durant-esque game if the Clippers want to win this series they're up three games to two so they do have two shots to do it but Donovan Mitchell he's playing at it at a very very high level right now and Paul George is gonna have to put the Clippers on his back transition over to baseball sticky stuff Taking over baseball? Yes, it is. Bauer's spin rate going down. Cole's spin rate going down. Adavino's spin rate going down. Shane Bieber. I mean, these are all elite, elite MLB pitchers. Top of the top. Best of the best. And I'm going to set a rule of thumb here. This is going to be this show's Chatter from the Cheap Seats rule of thumb 
four, six sticky stuff because we know what's going to happen. Players are going to have bad games. Their spin rate's going to drop. Oh, he's a cheater. He's a cheater. And I'm going to mention this to Sammy and Ori when they get back, but we're not going to mention any pitcher whose spin rate dropped less than two, 200, 200 RPMs or 200 rota- rotations per miles. That is not what RPM stands for. But Garrett Cole, he was hovering around 200. So, you know, we can bring him up. Trevor Bauer is well over 200. But from now on, guys like Shane Bieber, I think his RPMs only dropped like 50, something like that. So, you know, that stuff can vary game to game. And it really is, it really is going to be just mind-boggling over these next couple of weeks because what's what's going to happen in baseball is going to be incredible we're going to see maybe a lot of players get suspended I don't know so MOB their new sticky stuff rule is that if you get caught with pine tar or spider tack or anything that's illegal it's an immediate 10 game with pay suspension now, the rules will be harsher for repeat offenders, but they banned sunscreen and rosin. Like, I get banning spider tack, but sun, sunscreen and rosin is something that probably 95% of MLB players, pitchers do, and even some position players do it to get a better grip of the ball. It's not, doesn't affect spin rate whatsoever. Hitters like it. Like, hitters are all for sunscreen and rosin because they don't want to get hit by the baseballs. They had a meeting where they asked the players, what do you, they asked hitters, what do you think about sunscreen and rosin? Not a single one was against it. Not a single one. So we're going to see some players struggling in these next couple of weeks. Try to keep an open mind. Try not to immediately say, oh, he was using sticky stuff because you never know what's happening. You never know if that's really true. Don't try to jump to any immediate conclusions. Tyler Glass now, he said that he used sunscreen and rosin and he stopped once they announced that these rules were going to come in the next couple of weeks. And he partially tears his UCL. Only player to not have that injury and not, or to have that injury and not have Tommy John is Masahiro Tanaka. So Tommy John is definitely a possibility. And it just, he's blaming it on the fact that he was using this sticky stuff. Now he's not. And I don't know, maybe he had to grip the ball harder or something, but that's why he says he's hurt. Now I'm going to take him for his word. I don't know if he was really using sunscreen and rising because some of his, some of his spin rates were down. I don't know how much, I mean, I'm already breaking my rule. Okay. The rule is in play starting now. So Are we going to see some more injuries in these next couple of weeks? Are we going to see suspensions? Are we going to see, I don't know, maybe the pitchers banding together and just all using sunscreen and rosin or spider tack? I don't know. It's going to be a next couple weeks. The next couple of weeks of Major League Baseball is going to be much watch. It's going to be just an absolute, for lack of a better term, poop show. It's going to be nuts. Now, another player who has suffered an injury, hopefully way less severe than Tyler Glass now, is Jacob DeGrom. 
had to be pulled after three innings from his start against the Cubs last night. So I'm recording this on Thursday. So this was Wednesday night. He went three innings, seven strikeouts, or no, eight strikeouts, no runs, no hits. He struck out eight out of the nine batters he faced. He was looking electric. It's almost a matter of time before this man throws a no-hitter or a perfect game. But it really sucks about the injury. The MRI came back clean. That's good news. But this is this is multiple times now that he's had to been be pulled. I think it's three times in like the last six games that he's had to be pulled mid-start due to an injury concern. So he's a guy, he's an, he's an anomaly, right? Not a lot of starting pitchers throw 101, 102 consistently. Not a lot of starting pitchers can throw a 95-mile-an-hour slider. That's insane. A 95-mile-an-hour slider. Most major league pitchers throw maybe 95-mile-an-hour fastballs. There's a lot of major league pitchers that can't even throw a 95-mile. This man is throwing a 95-mile-an-hour slider. That's ridiculous. That's insanity. But maybe that's not normal. We said it a couple years ago with Chris Sale. You know, his arm action is not normal. What Jacob DeGrom does with the baseball is not normal. And it really sucks if that's going to cause him to have some injury concerns over the next couple of years. Now, another guy who has been absolutely incredible from the bump is Anthony Disclofani. He is my pitcher of the week. In the last seven games, he has pitched 14 innings, seven hits, one earned run, 13 strikeouts, and two walks. That is a 0.64 ERA in the last seven games. He has a 3.01 ERA on the season. Him and Kevin Gosman have really been, been leading that San Francisco pitching staff, who I think you got to say now is that's a legitimately good team. That is a very solid pitching staff. Cueto's pitching to around a four ERA as her third starter. That's a good pitching staff. My hitter of the week is none other than Gary Sanchez, the Sanchino, the Sanchez. My favorite player in the MLB has had a spectacular week, batting 316, slugging 842, a 481 Woba, and a 212 WRC+, plus with three homers, a double, and that makes him three out of his six hits, extra bases, in 19 plate appearances, five RBIs. The man has been absolutely fuego. He's been on fire. He's been incredible. Whatever you want to say about Gary Sanchez. Now, this is interesting because there is some evidence that suggests that Gary Sanchez's success over the past couple of weeks is sustainable. So 2016, 2017, he was fantastic against everything. He mashed every single pitch, but especially fastballs. Then 2018 and 2019, or 20, he was great in 2019. 2018 and 2020, when he was bad, his whiff rate on fastballs went way up. Could that have been due to spin rates going up? It's a coincidence. It's a coinky dink. This year, he was bad to start off the season. He got better as the season went along, but he started off his first week was very hot. Then he had a stretch where he was bad, and he started to turn it around. But even then, he was swinging and missing at fastballs right down the middle and out at an outrageous rate. Way too many fastballs down the middle that he just whiff at. Like, I would do better. 
I would make more contact on fastballs down the middle than Gary Sanchez. That's not true. But you've seen over the past, I don't know, two weeks where he's been on fire, hasn't missed a single fastball down the middle. He's caught up to the fastballs high. He's putting the bat on the ball. Could that have to do with the fact that pitchers are starting to wean themselves off of spider tack and other sorts of illegal substances to get prepared for MLB's new rules? Because if that's the case, Gary Sanchez, if Gary Sanchez can revert to all-star caliber, best offensive catcher in baseball, because that's what he was in 2016, 2017, and 2019. He was the best offensive catcher in baseball. His OPS in 2019, where he batted like 220, was still higher than any OPS JT Remuto has had in his entire career. That's one of my favorite stats. I reference that all the time on the show. Now it is time for the game of the week. My game of the week was, it was yesterday in a great extra innings duel, went into the 10th inning, the Chicago White Sox walked off the Tampa Bay Rays. Chicago was winning four by four, four nothing after four. 7-2 after 5, and they blew a 7-2 lead, went into extras, but they were able to walk it off. And just an incredible game. Jose Abreu had a homer. Andrew Vaughn with the walk-off double off the right field wall. Giolito went 6 innings, 3 earned. Yarborough went 6 and a third, 5 earned. Not a great day for him. But a definitely a great day if you're a baseball fan. And my series to watch, that was the game, not the game to watch, the game, the game of the week. My series to watch is also involving the Astros. It is the Astros versus not the Astros. It is also involving the White Sox versus the Astros. It is the White Sox versus the Astros. Late start, 8 10 o'clock Eastern, 8 10 o'clock. 8.10 Eastern time start on Thursday or on Friday. And that's going to be a great game. We're going to see Carlos Rodon match up against Luis Garcia in the first game of the series. Rodon has a 1.89 ERA. Garcia has a 2.98 ERA. It's worth staying up for. It's summertime. Stay up for it. Live a little. Live a little. Come on. Live a little. What's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. And that's going to wrap up. This episode, shorter episode for sure, because it's just me, so we don't have to listen to Sammy yabbering and yammering all the time. And I think this is a spectacular show. To be honest, I think we should do this more often. Who needs Sammy? Who needs Ori? But for real, though, I miss them. They're going to be back next week. And that will do it for this episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. (laughs) 